Hey, hey, welcome to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Hernan Salas from TSN 1260 and the Two Guys in a Goalie Podcast. Hope you all had a wonderful and relaxing long weekend as there's lots to get to in the world of hockey. Today, I'll be joined by Eric Friesen, the host of the 99 Forever Podcast on Oilers Live and contributor for the Hockey Writers. We'll get into a few different Oilers topics. Goaltending, of course, is the big one here in Edmonton, but we'll go away from the Matt Murray talk and I'll throw Eric some UFA goalies and see what he thinks along with what we can expect from Yamonak season Oilers draft a possible UFA that was announced on Twitter yesterday by Ryan Rishog and a couple more players head to Europe to start the seasons there and of course the conference finals that started out with a shutout and then a blowout on Monday night lit pod coming up yeah once again, I'm Hernan Salas, co-host of the Post Game Show on TSN 1260 and the producer on the popular Two Guys in a Goalie podcast. You can hit me up on Twitter at Hernan the Man at Locked On Oilers and follow us on Locked On Pods. And remember to subscribe and download on your favorite apps, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, for all the latest episodes. Eric Friesen is coming up, but first some news this morning. As the Oilers announced they have loaned forward Gaetan Haas to S.E. Byrne of the Swiss League for the beginning of the 2021 season. The Oilers have also loaned defenseman Evan Bouchard to Sodertology of the Swedish League for the beginning of the 2020-2021 season. I hope I didn't butcher that name. I probably did. But uh, they join a handful of other players in the Oilers organization that's head to Europe. And it's a trend we're seeing with, with a lot of teams throughout the NHL. They want some of their players playing, especially the younger ones. Uh, TSN's Ryan Richog also tweeted out on Monday night that forward Adam Cracknell has had some discussions with the Oilers and a contract is likely to happen in the near future. Why? 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 Why would they do this? Yeah, I don't really see why, but it adds depth, I guess. It can be a call-up if the fourth line runs into injuries because other than that, I, I really don't see the signing, if it does happen, make an impact on the big team. Cracknell is 35 years old and spent last season in the KHL with Kunlun Red Star where he had 24 points in 52 games which is pretty good. His last season in the NHL slash AHL was 2018-19 where he only played two games with the Ducks and I'm sure Oilers fans remember he did play eight games for Edmonton back in, in the 2015-16 season as he was claimed off waivers on February 29th uh, 2016. I think he played in eight games. He had zero points for the Edmonton Oilers. He, he brought good energy from what I recall but again I don't see this as a move for the big team and more of a depth signing to play in Baco and if needed can be a call up interesting for sure but for me at least there's really nothing to see here to the Stanley Cup playoffs the Dallas Stars shut out the Golden Knights on Sunday night by a score of 1 to nothing we'll see what happens tonight puck drop for this one at 6 p.m. oh boy to the east the week off did not affect the lightning one bit as they rolled through the Islanders in game one Braden points scored 114 into the first and they didn't look back as they trounced the New York Islanders 8 to 2 Braden point and the Nikita Kucherov were fantastic, each having five points to lead the way. Game two goes on Wednesday between Tampa and New York. All right, I've rambled on for too long. Pleased to be joined by Eric Friesen, the host of the 99 Forever podcast on Oilers Live and contributor for the Hockey Writers. You can find him on Twitter at Eric J. Friesen. Eric, what's shaking on this Tuesday? Hey, Hernan. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's going pretty good, actually. Uh, Like I said, I've listened to this podcast for a long time, so glad to finally 
contribute to it in some way. Yeah, no, excited to have you on. Uh, you know, I, I think we both follow each other on Twitter. You're, uh, yeah. uh, you're very positive when it comes to the Oilers, which <laughs> I like, because you know how it is in Edmonton. Sometimes it can get pretty nasty. They're on the good old Twitter. And let's get right to it. Oiler talk. This one, you know, Ryan Rashog tweeted out last night that Adam Crackman on the Oilers might be working on a deal here. Sounds like something is going to get done. Uh, just quickly, your thoughts on, on a guy that's 35 years old, was in the KHL last year. He did play for the Oilers a couple seasons ago. got in with on eight games after being claimed off waivers. But for you, does this move move the needle at all? You know what? I never thought after 2016 we would see Cracknell back with the Oilers organization. But if they're bringing him back to sort of be a depth guy in the AHL, then I could probably get on board with that as long as he's not taking any of the cherry minutes away from their legitimate NHL prospects. I think that they really wanted to upgrade the forward position up front in, in with the Bakersfield Condors. So bringing in a guy like Cracknell might be someone who can pass along some veteran wisdom to the young guys. And like I said, as, as long as he's not playing power play or first line minutes, I'm fine with him coming on board. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He might do that in the AHL, but when it comes to the NHL team, and I, and I said it in my opening where I, I, I just, outside of him being in, in Bakersfield and maybe being a call-up if you run into bottom six issues, um, that's the only way I see him playing. And it, it, it was intriguing because, it's like, like you said, it's not a name I thought was on the radar at all, but it looks like he might be coming to Edmonton. Evan Bouchard and Gaetan Haas, the latest Oilers heading to Europe. I, I kind of like this because the European leagues are starting. These guys are going to be able to get in some games for the next next couple of months, especially for a guy like Evan Bouchard, you saw McLeod go as well. Uh, do you like that, that they're sending, it's a trend now that a lot of teams are sending their younger players over to Europe to get some uh, some games in because we really don't know when the, the NHL season is going to start. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of veteran NHL players with the Oilers who have ties to Europe going back there and playing. And that makes sense because if they were to ever leave the NHL, they would probably be going back to these clubs anyway. So it gives them a chance to get their season started in their home country. And as well as for the young guys, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at the number, but I think it's almost close to 10 players from the Oilers organization who have already committed to playing with a European club. Uh, like you said off the top, uh, Haas and Bouchard, the latest, who just that news just broke before we started the podcast today. So seeing those two guys make the jump over to join teams in Sweden and Switzerland, it's um it's a good start for them because when Oilers training camp starts, which I'm hoping will be in, in November sometime, like I said, we can't predict what's going to happen with COVID here. But if things are able to get started in time for a de- December 1st, beginning to the 2020-21 season, then that gives these guys about two months to get their legs going and really play some competitive professional hockey before they jump into the NHL game. You don't want guys like Bouchard, McLeod, any of these young prospects who are trying to make the team sitting for eight, nine months without having played anywhere. And especially how strong of a season Bouchard had in the AHL last year, finished with, I believe, 20 points in his last 24 games with the Condors. I really want to see him carry that over. And I know he'll be playing in the Tier 2 league in Sweden, but if, if he can have a good start there, that should really help him build his confidence coming into main camp. 
Joined by Eric Friesen, host of the 99 Forever podcast on Oilers Live and contributor for the Hockey Writers. Now, it's been a big topic as we get into goaltending for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Mike Smith, he was good during the season. He had the one bad game in the playoffs. Koskinen, I mean, I think it's unfair to put it all on him in the playoffs. The team wasn't very good in front of him. But we are going to stay away from Matt Murray for today's pod because I've talked I've talked about Matt Murray for like the last week, I think, Eric. But I have three UFA names, and, and, and I want you to tell me what you think because the Oilers are going to try to upgrade the, the goalie position. I mean, I think Mike Smith, I don't know if it's bad for me to say this, but he's, he might be the last resort here. Like if you can't get any of the other guys you try to get via free agency or trade, he might be the just the backup plan. But Thomas Grease, UFA, 34 years of age, coming off 3.3 million. Uh, what do you think of Thomas Grease for Euler Fit? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I was looking at some of the guys who could be options as well. And I don't mind Grease as a goalie. I, I I think he'll be available, but at the same time, are we going to bring in another 34-year-old guy? There are options out there, and I believe he has a 9.15 career save percentage, which is pretty good. But at the same time, is that going to continue to dip over the next few years? Like, yes, he's about five years younger than Smith. And just to go back to your first point, I don't think we should be thinking that a 40-year-old goalie is going to come in and play productive minutes for the team on a consistent basis. We saw this past season, Smith has the ability to have very strong outings and very poor outings. So you'd want to get someone who can give you a little bit more of a consistent effort night after night. And Grace could be that. He might not be the number one guy on my list, but if the Oilers could get him for cheap, and by cheap I mean less than what Koskinen is currently getting, then I could get on board with that. But I don't think he would be my number one pick to fill that spot. In just a few minutes more with Eric Friesen, the host of the 99 Forever podcast on Oilers Live and contributor for the Hockey Writers. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage and food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto part at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You're listening to Locked On Orders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Hernan Salas. Remember to download and subscribe to Locked On Orders on your favorite apps for the latest episodes. Eric Friesen joining me on today's pod from the 99 Forever podcast. Two other names, Anton Kudobin, who's been excellent for the Dallas Stars. Uh, he's also 34. He's, he's going to be coming off 2.5. And this one's kind of a long shot, but Jimmy Howard, 36 years of age. And he, obviously Ken Holland knows him. He's coming off 4 million. I mean, I know Anton Kudobin is probably the most intriguing there, but what do you think of these two names, uh, Jimmy Howard and uh, good old Kudobin? Like Jimmy Howard has that connection to Ken Holland from Detroit. And we've seen in his, I guess it'd be what, 15, 16 months on the job now, that Ken Holland is in favor of bringing over guys from the Red Wings organization, whether it be in management, scouting, or player positions to join the Oilers. But I don't think Howard should be a guy. That just seems like a backwards move, lateral move Mm -hmm. at best. So he wouldn't be anywhere on my radar at all. Hudobin, you know, that's, that's a name who I could get on board with a little more. We're seeing how he's playing in the playoffs. He's looked really good. And, of course, he, he played one year for my Saskatoon Blades. Uh, so, so there is a bit of a connection there. And um, I mean, even though that was, what, 14 years ago now. But still, um, a, a guy who is, a, is a, a bit of an upgrade, I think, on what they had with Mike Smith. So 
that would be a name that's a little more intriguing to me than the first two that uh, you've presented. For you, is there any way, because, you know, they got Bishop signed there for the next three seasons. Is there any way Dallas lets this guy go? I, I mean, if they go to the final here, Eric, and, and they end up winning this with Hudobin, can they really walk away from that, right? I think the thing we have to remember for every NHL team is that there's going to be an expansion draft yeah. next year. And that is going to impact how every club approaches this offseason. Because you can only protect one goalie. We saw what happened to Pittsburgh three years ago when Vegas came into the league. They were in a tough spot where they had to make a decision between Matt Murray and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. And you could argue if they made the right decision or not. They went with the younger guy. And at the time, it seemed like the better move. You picked the the young up-and-comer more than the, the guy who's on the back half of his career, despite winning three cups with you. Um, but for, for teams who have two solid goalies, you're almost at a better position to trade some, someone for an asset that can help you going forward, preferably a young asset that you don't have to protect. And if you, if you think about which goalie is going to be better for them, I, I think they kind of know who their starter is. So uh, unless they're very confident that uh, Seattle isn't going to take Hudobin in the draft, then I think that maybe they'd be more willing to let him go and not try and bring him back because we're going to see Vancouver in the same position with Demko and Markstrom. Pittsburgh once again is going to have their hands tied with uh, Murray and Jari, who I, I believe also played with uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, it's funny of all the Oil Kings that the Oilers should have drafted, but uh, <laughs> um, and then we're not going to uh, go there, man. We're not going to go there. Man. I know, I know. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing is uh, Columbus and the Rangers also have multiple strong goalie yeah. options. So there are going to be guys out there for Edmonton to pick at. And this could be an excellent year for a team that's trying to get guys on bargain deals. So I'm really interested to see what Ken Holland's going to do this off season, because I think he has the chance to get someone on a cheap deal and, you know, maybe the return will be, very effective if they can get a, a good goalie tandem with a cost. And that's a good spot for the Oilers as well, as opposed to like, like we were just talking about with Dallas where, you know, Ben Bishop's only one year younger than Hudobin. He's been injury prone. And again, I, I do think Dallas would stay with Ben Bishop. I think they'd be crazy if they didn't, uh, but it's an interesting um, goalie market out there. And I think the Oilers, I mean, Matt Murray would be the ideal pick, but if you're looking at UFAs, uh, Eric, you know, these three names kind of pop out just because you can probably get them at a good price and, and you only probably bring him in for a year or two, right? You're not going to commit long-term. Let's look on over to the forward group here. I want to talk about one player, Kyler Yamamoto played 27 games in the regular season, 26 points playing mostly with Dreisaitl and Nuge. He really solidified that second line for the Edmonton Oilers. We hope that going into next season, Dave Tippett won't do what he did in the playoffs and, and start with Dreisaitl and Nuge and hopefully he can find some wingers for uh, Connor McDavid. I know it's tricky because we really don't know how many games and, and when it's going to start, but expectations uh, for the young man here. Yeah, you know, Kyler Tyler Yamamoto is quickly becoming one of the top players on the Edmonton Oilers. And before the season, I think there were a lot of uncertainties with the player. You, you look at his previous season in the AHL, he put up some good numbers in a shortened season because he missed that time with, I believe, a wrist injury. And coming into this year, he, he got off to a pretty good start in the AHL. And when he was recalled in late December, that really turned around the Oilers season because 
they had such a strong start in October and November where they were basically first place in the division through the, those two months. And then after a four, 10 and one record, I believe in December, they had dropped down to, I think, third place in the Pacific. And all of a sudden Yamamoto gets recalled before New Year's Eve and scores a, an empty net goal, the seal of victory. And from there he just took off and finished with, uh, like you said, I think 26 points in 27 games basically played on the best line in the NHL in the season second half with Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a line that I'm disappointed we didn't get to see more of in the playoffs this year. But he had a huge impact upon arrival and basically established himself as a top six forward. And I think at this point you could say he's probably the fourth most important forward on this team after McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and then Yamamoto. So it was a huge growth here for him. And if he can carry on at that level next season, we could be looking at a guy who puts up 70 plus points. I, I think I, if you average it out, he was on pace for 79 points over an 82 game season. Now, is he going to be a point per game player over a full NHL campaign? I, I'm not sure if he's ready to do that at 21 years old. But I think that if he's playing with Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's going to get points surely by playing with dominant players like that. And if he becomes a fixture on the power play next season, that's going to even increase his totals more. So I would say on the upper end, I'll predict 70 points for him. But I think that he should be at least able to score 60 next year. Because if you think about it, Ryan Nugent Hopkins should be good for 60 plus Yamamoto, I'm thinking 60-plus, and Dreisaitl, if he's in that 100-point range again, that's a, a dominant second line. All they have to do is figure out who's going to play with McDavid, and this team is going to be ready to roll. Let's head on over to, uh, I was going to say this summer, but the draft is no longer in the summer as it's <laughs> yeah. a weird year. Uh, looking at this year's draft, you all have the 14th pick. Uh, I was looking back at the last 20 years at the 14th pick, and there's, there's a lot more hits than misses in this aspect. Uh, I know uh, on previous pods I've talked about Askarov, the goalie, because the Oilers do need a legit uh, young number one goaltender. Now, they might have that in the system, but he's an option. Any player you like there uh, for the Edmonton Oilers at 14? Yeah, well, you know, after using a pair of top 10 picks on defensemen, uh, a pair of, I, I said, yeah, a pair of top 10 picks uh, in the past two drafts on Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg, I think the Oilers really have to take a forward in the first round this year because there has to be some balance within the prospect pool and there should be several high-end forwards available at 14th overall. If you look at the Oilers' um, prospect depth chart as of right now, the strength of the organization is clearly on defense, but there really isn't that second wave of elite talent up front to support the McDavid cluster as low tide likes to say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. A low tide reference is always welcome on my show. Absolutely. Every time I'm driving from Saskatoon to Edmonton and I go by Maidstone, I I, I think a low tide (laughs) and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I've been listening to his show uh, at times while I've been making that drive too. So um, uh, yeah, like I said, outside of some B level prospects like Ryan McLeod, uh, Raphael Lavoie, Kirill Maximov, there really isn't a top-end forward who you could see stepping into potentially a top-line or second-line spot down the road. And if we are going to keep that second line together, the Oilers need to be thinking about guys who could potentially be playing with McDavid down the road. It doesn't mean next year or even the year after, but 
when McDavid's getting into his mid to late 20s, they have to have high-end players coming into the sport. And you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning right now with Steven Stamkos and Kucherov, and they're supported by some excellent young players. Like, look at what Braden Point's doing right now. The Oilers need to find their Braden Point. Now, that's obviously going to be on the very high end. But there are some guys who I think could step in and be productive players for the Oilers down the road. I've got a handful of guys that I like, but at the top of my list is Seth Jarvis. And he finished second in WHL scoring in 2019-20 with 98 points in 58 games. But even more impressively, he had 63 points in his final 26 games of the season, which is well over two points per game. And for an 18-year-old to dominate the WHL, which while I think the OHL is still the best junior league, uh, the WHL, I believe, is the most NHL comparable junior league and gets players ready the fastest because of maybe the physicality of it. So for Seth Jarvis to have that type of an impact as a teenager, I think it shows that this is a guy who has the skill to contribute at a top six level when he makes it to the NHL. And we need to be picking players like that. There's other guys too. Like I like Dawson Mercer. I like Connor Zary. Uh, even a guy like Jan Misak, I believe is how you pronounce it. Those are guys who could be there. Jack Quinn. So there's a number of highly talented players available. Will Jarvis still be available at 14th overall? I can't say for sure. But if you look at a lot of mock drafts, he seems to be in that 10 to 15 mm -hmm. range. So it really depends what other teams need. And we, we see this every year, Hernan. There is a team that jumps off the board and picks a defenseman Detroit did it last year Edmonton did it last year and as soon as you do that guys like uh, Cole Caulfield fall Trevor Zegras fall and the Oilers need to get that sort of luck this year on their hands where one of the teams in the top 10 reaches to grab a defenseman and all of a sudden a high-end forward falls to them so that I'll, that I'll leave it at that that's that's where I think they should pick and uh, I know there's that goalie Askarov who's available too but I, I think he'll be gone so I, my pick would be Jarvis in just a few minutes more with Eric Friesen the host of the 99 forever podcast on Oilers live and contributor for the hockey writers you're listening to locked on Oilers, part of the locked on podcast network I'm your host Hernan Salas remember to download and subscribe to locked on Oilers on your favorite apps for the latest episodes Eric Friesen joining me on today's pod from the 99 forever podcast Bob McKenzie has Jarvis uh, at number 18 so he can definitely be there for the orders I know low tide because uh, you brought him up likes Kate and Gooley there as well but he, like you said the orders got to find that the Braden points like a guy that's going to come out of nowhere because I remember Braden points draft here I mean what was he he was drafted what in the 70s and yeah. uh, I, and I saw him play a lot because I was working the old Kings games there and a little guy like he he was small but he man like what a player he's a superstar in my eyes like you saw that game yesterday he was just absolutely fantastic right and Jarvis is a smaller guy too he's only five foot nine and 165 pounds now because he's 18 he might not be done growing yet so maybe there's an opportunity to add another inch or two at most but I don't think he'll get to six feet at this point yeah <laughs> but but still if he can add let's say he can add 15 to 20 pounds onto that frame and get up to 185 and maybe 511 that's a pretty solid player and with, with the ability that he has, the high-end skill and the scoring ability, that's a guy who could fit in with the Oilers down the road playing with McDavid. I mean, you look at the, the guys who McDavid has pulled points out of at this point in his career, 
He's turned Patrick Maroon into a 27-goal scorer. He was even able to get, I think, eight or nine goals out of uh, Ty Ratty a couple years ago. So if you can put a guy who actually has high-end ability with him and maybe not skate as fast as him but keep up with him, there's a potential for a, for some of these players to really put up some some big point totals in the future. I love the draft. It's it's one of the uh, funnest oh, days. I know this year's going to be a little weird and all yeah. that, but I can't wait. You know what else, Hernan? In the past 10 years, there's been way too much draft talk in Edmonton. Yes, I know. That's, <laughs> I, I've become a draft junkie probably since about 07, 08. Well, it's, it's, been, it's become our playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sure, it, it was fun having uh, all the hoopla around the draft when they were going first overall three straight years. And, of course, the McDavid one tops everything. But um, – when it when it comes to the draft this year, I'm kind of glad that we were able to still be talking about pushing for a playoff spot in February and March instead of looking ahead to who the Oilers could possibly be taking in the first round. And while I would still prefer to be playing in the bubble right now and competing for the Stanley oh, Cup, of course, yeah. I mean, especially with it being in Edmonton too, uh, it, it is it, it is good to to think that the team at least made the playoffs. I mean, I know they didn't officially make it, but in my yeah, mind, yeah. They finished, it's a technicality, finished, right? It's a technicality. They finished second in the division. In my mind, they made the playoffs. So now that the season's over, I can sort of dive into the draft, but this is probably the, the least that I've followed a draft year in the past 10 years. So that was kind of a nice change, but now I'm starting to get a little excited about it. We're less than, a, well, I guess just over a month because it's on October 9th, right? So, uh, but one month away from right now, we'll be finding out uh, who the Oilers will be taking. I only ask the hard-hitting questions on this podcast, <laughs> Eric. Uh, what is the most important move Ken Holland has to make this offseason? Well, the thing is, we have, to, we have to look at the whole season as a whole. And I believe that there's some overreaction to losing a best-of-five series that took place over six days in August. And we're forgetting a little bit about the progress that was made during the regular season between October and March. I mean, this is a team that finished fifth in the Western Conference and 12th in the entire NHL. They had an incredible power play, an incredible penalty kill. McDavid and Dreisaitl finished first and second in the scoring race. They had, like you talked about Yamamoto, we had Bear and Jones also establish themselves as NHL players. Like this was a big progress year. And after one playoff loss, everyone starts tearing everything apart oh, we need this, we need that. And it's like, if we take a step back and just look at the team, I think you can see that this is a team that's actually a pretty good club. They're not a great club, but they're a good club. Um, The things that pop out to me are, can they get an upgrade for an offensive defenseman? Because we don't know how Bouchard is going to be able to perform uh, off the bat if he makes the team. I would think that he'd be somewhere like a third pairing guy who gets first power play minutes, maybe by halfway through the season but if they could get a guy like Tyson Berry that would be an upgrade I know there's some questions about his defensive ability but getting a defenseman would be good Uh, a third line center would be a nice upgrade too so that way you don't have to bank on Haas filling that role although I did like how he looked in the playoffs and of course like we talked about a goalie so I know that's a long-winded lead up to my answer but I'll say those those are the three things that come to mind especially um but a scoring winger, I think, is still at the top of this list. McDavid, 
need someone to play with. I love the second line. We talked about that, but if they can find someone to play with them so that you don't have to rely on a Tyler Ennis to fill that role, maybe they bring back double a, I'm not a hundred percent sold that that's going to happen. And it's a shame that they might lose two second round picks and he's gone for nothing. But if they could find a scoring winger for him, that would be my number one pick and followed just shortly behind by uh, an upgrading goal because we've seen how good Koskinen can be with a reduced workload, but his play tends to drop off the more he plays. So if you follow Oilers Twitter, everyone's going to be talking about the goaltending position. That's, that's what everyone seems to think, or the majority seems to think is the Oilers biggest need. And maybe they're not going to go out and get that big name guy like a Mark Strum, but at the same time, they do need to pick up at least someone to support Koskinen, but I'll say a scoring forward or potentially a new 1A, 1B goalie. Eric, man, this has been absolutely great. Love talking Oilers with uh, someone just as passionate about the team as I am. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you can find Eric on Twitter at Eric J. Friesen. He is the host of the 99 Forever podcast on Oilers Live and contributor for the Hockey Writers. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great, and I look forward to having you on uh, maybe closer to the draft. I really appreciate the chance to come on and talk hockey with you today. It's been awesome. Once again, that was Eric Friesen from the 99 Forever podcast on Oilers Live. Big shout out to Eric for joining me. Great passion, great insight on the Edmonton Oilers. Look forward to having him on once again. Coming up on Wednesday's Locked On Oilers, we'll be joined by Tyler Yaremchuk, of course, of TSN 1260 and Oilers Nation. He wrote a great piece on Max Domi. So that's going to be a fun conversation on Wednesday. Make sure to tune in for that. Remember, you can hit me up on Twitter at HernanDeMan, at Locked On Oilers, and at Locked On Pods. Don't forget to subscribe and download all our episodes on your favorite apps. Producer Cardles is telling me to close out the pod so this wraps up this edition of locked on oilers i am hernan the man talking los petroleros have a great tuesday we'll chat tomorrow